0: Corn, soybeans, and wheat are all over the place. Livestocks have already reversed course this morning and are headed lower. We'll check in on machinery. We'll get a, an end of the year ish update on land and learn how to fight the flu.
1: Live from the genesis of this week's coverage via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This morning, we begin a conversation with Greg Peterson, Machine Repeat. Then it's Paul Shadig from Farmers National. And we'll wrap up with author Dr. Udo Erasmus. Directly following the news, Brett Waltz from BAM Weather. And I'm Michelle Rook, now the host of Agritalk, Davis Michelson.
0: Thanks, Michelle. I was not ready to be behind the big green leafy microphone this morning. The music started and I thought, oh, you know, I just, I defaulted to waiting for the, uh, but I was the intro guy. Here we are already with the, uh, about a three second misstep. I hope we can recover from here. How are you feeling today? You good? You good to go?
1: I think it's Monday. I'm feeling like it's Monday, Davis.
0: (laughs) I feel like Monday already. I'm sitting, uh, let's see, Monday morning here. I'm at 35 degrees and sunny here in uh, Kansas City. What's it look like out your window?
1: Uh, it's actually, it was a beautiful day yesterday. I'm up in South Dakota and like mm-hmm. we were almost 50 degrees yesterday, if you can believe that. Wow. And mm-hmm. we've been well above normal. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's we'll good. take That's... it. No snow on the ground. We're going to have a well, brown Christmas, I think.
0: So Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm a little bit sentimental that way. I prefer for Christmas to look like Christmas if at all possible. I might be a little too far south for that, but uh, you, I think maybe have a shot i don't know i don't know it'd be great That's
1: okay i'm good with the brown christmas it's fine with me
0: all right fair enough well we'll yeah. uh, we'll get the details from from <laughs> brett waltz from bam double wex here coming up in just a little bit and uh he's he's talking mild weather here in the states but has a focus on ongoing problems in south america we'll get his details on that machinery pete of course talking uh, machinery sales implements tractors comb i mean what do you got what do you need Pete's got the uh, the info on that. Um, I'm going to put on my landowner hat and speak with Paul Shadeg from Farmers National Company. It'll be good to check in with Paul and just see where we're at. I've noticed a few things. Um, I want to talk about this non-farmer investor. And, Michelle, I don't know if you know any of these non-farmer investors. They've gotten an awful lot of attention from farmers who believe that they will prop up the land market and I'm just going to say it. I think it's a straw man. I don't think they're out. They are out there, obviously, but uh, not in not in the numbers that uh, that I think some people are pointing to. And then we'll we'll wind up with uh, Dr. Udo Erasmus for a conversation about the flu and general health. Stay tuned for that one. Don't blow that one off, gang, because we want you healthy and uh, around with us for a long, long time. Michelle, with that, let's get to the news, please.
1: Right. Well, row crop markets continue to keep an eye on South America. And World Weather Inc. says this morning that weekend rainfall was rarely more than a half inch in center, west, central, southern and northeastern Brazil. Although there were a few areas in western and southern Mata Grosso do Sul that received more than an inch. Now, conditions in southern Brazil and across much of Argentina's key crop areas are expected to remain mostly favorable. And so it looks like they're going to have a big rebound after the drought year last year. Yeah. Anyway, and- it's
2: it's
0: it's been a mixed bag like that and we're just kind of watching everything to see if it'll everything will even out toward the middle so far not just yet
1: yeah there's been talk of maybe a pattern change in brazil and some of those dry areas mid-december so it'll be interesting to see what brett has to say about that absolutely that's Um, coming up next yeah, and planting has been a little slow because of some of those dry conditions, too wet in the south as well. But Agruel says that Brazil's soybean planting now has reached 91% done as of last Thursday. Now that's behind last year's 95% pace. And the area of greatest concern remains that number one state of Mata Grosso where rains are desperately needed.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not terribly behind the year ago pace, but that four no, percent, I think, no. is probably going to get an awful lot of focus when we're talking about export competition further down the road.
1: Right. Although there's been a lot of talk about maybe some replanting that has taken place as well in the country. So that's mm-hmm. going to be another key thing to watch. Indeed. According to Bloomberg, the global economy is forecast to grow just 2.7 percent in 2024. That's versus 3.1 percent this year. Now that would mark the world's third worst year since the burst of the dot-com bubble, and only after 2009 and 2020.
0: Mm-hmm. I kind of I want to bring this up, and it might be unfair to spring this on Paul Shadag from Farmers National, but I want to see what he makes of these numbers.
1: Oh, I think he can handle it. He's an expert. I bet expert, he can. So, yeah. Can. Of course, we've been watching uh, COP28 and the evolution of what's going on there. And USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack revealed that the final declaration would not focus on agriculture and food. The decision was influenced by a request from the G7 Group of Developing Countries for additional review and participation related to ag and food, leaving no time for negotiations. While Vilsack highlighted the importance of a special day dedicated to ag and food policy and the participation of U.S. farm and food leaders, he considered the Emirates Declaration on sustainable agriculture, resilient food systems and climate change signed by 152 nations, plus commitments by countries and companies to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and fund related projects as significant achievements.
0: But did not join that Emirates agreement, right? Is that how you read this?
1: That's kind I- of how I read it. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um yeah, and then I, I liked what they had to say about meat consumption. Vilsack said he hadn't heard much about uh, that goal, but instead emphasized strategies for reducing methane emissions related to livestock, rather than uh, destroying the livestock production industry. Michelle Rook, thanks so much. You uh, bet. Let's bring in Brett Waltz from Bam BAMWX now to talk about the weather. Brett, good morning, sir. Thanks for being with us. Uh, good morning.
3: Good morning. Yeah, yeah of course.
0: Uh, you use the word pretty tame in reference to the, uh, short-term weather here in the United States. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be drier than normal, really not a lot of moisture to deal with over the next week or two for much of the central part of the country, unless you're down in Texas and the far hmm. Southwest plains, it's going to be drier than normal and, and mild. So I think those chances of a Brown Christmas that you all were talking about are <laughs> probably a lot higher than normal for many areas. All right.
0: All right. Um, so much drier than normal conditions aside from the Southwest Plains, next two weeks, mild pattern overall, likely warmer than normal temperatures all the way into the holiday. Do you, Can you push out past the calendar flip? Do you see that continuing at some point? Should we expect some of the white stuff?
3: You know, I, I think overall the pattern is going to stay pretty mild into the new year. We huh. might need to watch the first week of January for some kind of mischief, but uh, I think overall, uh, at least the next two months, I think it's going to be pretty mild. I'd watch out for February as maybe a better, uh, colder, more wintry month.
0: I heard you say mischief again this week. That's two weeks in a row now, Waltz. I'm watching Did I say you. that? Get, bring me to <laughs> South America, please.
3: <laughs> so South America, you know, Monte Grosso continues to be a big concern. It's pretty dry there over the next seven days. There, There could be some spotty moisture, but it's hot as well. And I'm concerned that as we go out through the end of the year, the, the bust potential on these rains are, are pretty high. I, I think that's an area that I'm concerned can stay drier than normal. It's continued to turn drier than what data has had. And so that, that's a problem area that I think continues to be a problem. Southern Brazil and Argentina, uh, still more rains on the way over the next seven days, especially Argentina. Uh, but I think things could maybe turn a little bit more favorably, not as excessively wet to close out the year.
0: Outstanding, Brett Waltz from W X. thanks for spending some time with us this morning, brother. Have a great day.
3: Yep, thank you.
0: We are underway. We've got Machina Repeat coming up next. He's going to take us uh, at, eventually, we're going to make our way all the way to Northfield, Minnesota. Good morning, Northfield. I hope you're listening today. Uh, the word record price in Northfield, Minnesota. It keeps going. AgriTalk, stick around.
4: At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com.
2: Machine repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801.
0: Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here. Uh, This week is going to be a little different, a little departure. If uh, you deer hunting folks out there know what chip is up to he's he's taken the entire week to pursue conservation activities he'll be out spaying and neutering deer across uh central iowa which uh you know it's it's an important it's important work is is what it is and he'll be out there uh out there hard at it all week in the meantime michelle rook and i kind of have this alternating sort of schedule thing um we'll be in together working together on the shows for the entire week it's just the hosting duty we'll uh so sort of, we'll move the big green leafy microphone from one to the other and uh, allow, uh, allow uh, you know, some some voices that maybe we haven't heard before. And we'll, I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be great radio. It's going to be awesome. We're glad to have Michelle Rook on board for this nutty concept. Chip, will be back uh, a week from this morning. Hopefully. Yeah. Let me bring in Machinery repeat Greg Peterson. Greg, it's deer season, brother.
2: Hey, how you doing, Davis? Yeah. Really it, good. It is, it is that time of year. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> uh also deer season so to speak on the auction front uh deer hey, in case well, h and new holland <laughs> how's that for a transition
0: that's not bad at all i like the word play um take me up to uh let's just jump right in to your pick of the week here farm auction thursday in northfield minnesota
2: yeah unbelievable uh actually before i we hit the pick of the week davis i do yep. i should do a quick shout out there's so many auctions coming up this week folks one I got my eye on today, a dealer auction in Nebraska for Landmark implement by the Steffes Group. It ends at noon today. Seven John Deere eight R series tractors, eight combines, a twenty model X nine one thousand. So check that out, uh, and also hit our Machine Repeat social media pages. I just plastered them this weekend with upcoming auctions this week. Tons of great equipment, but well, now sale. hold on.
0: Before we move okay. on, let me yeah. ask you. Let me ask you about that. Um, what's the, what's the mentality behind this? It just happens that everything, that it's kind of a busy week as we're coming up toward the end of the year here, or is there a, sort of a market play there that, uh, sellers are looking to take advantage of?
2: I'd say maybe both, but mm-hmm. the biggest factor is just the time of the year, Davis. I mean, okay. November, December with the tax motivated equipment buyers to push down your income, uh, this force, I think our data, you know, auction price data has shown, I think, 19 of the last 20 years that auction values, used values go up November and December and up significantly. So, farmers are very smart. So, if you're thinking of having a retirement sale, it's a fabulous time to have a sale. There's also a lot of dealers looking to push out excess inventory, which Mm. we have not had excess inventory till this year again. Um, So, a lot of dealer auctions like the one I mentioned taking place. Uh, But yeah, that's, and I think there also is a little bit, What's happening with maybe some retirement sales being pushed forward? Again, mm-hmm. farmers are very smart. They realize use values are at all time record levels. Average age of the American farmer is not spring chicken level. So you've mm-hmm. got a lot of folks that love farming, and they, you know, it's hard to time any market. But if if you're selling equipment right now, you've timed it pretty well. Huh. Uh, best I've ever seen in 34 years. Let me put it that way. So wow,
0: wow. This after the last few years of you saying it's the best I've seen in my career, and now here yep. we are.
2: It's still yep.
0: still climbing, brother. That's I actually.
2: It's getting harder to defend the fact, Davis, that I am a, a stoic uh, Scandinavian, not <laughs> not prone to hyperbole. Uh-huh. And as a as a writer, I ran out of adjectives about eighteen months ago to describe the USD Cuban market. It's just been unbelievable. Well, and you, Pete, you can I've, fact yeah. you can factor in everything, inflation, all whatever. It's just. Yeah. You know, and which loops me around to our pick of the week, which proves my point uh, better than anything I could ever dream up to say. But last Thursday, like you said, in Northfield, Minnesota, my friends at uh, HM Auction Group uh, was the Farm Estate sale for uh, Lawrence Schweik. And I'm telling you, it was beautiful equipment. But there was a tractor on the auction in particular, Davis, that really had my attention going. It was a 79 model, John Deere 4440, of course, iconic model. Mm-hmm. Deer made from 78 to 82. Now, this thing, 1910 hours on it, which that's I mean, unbelievably low. So a lot of people wondering, well, what's the scoop on that thing? So, you know, Hamilton uh uh HM auction group there, Hamilton auction and maring, they did a great job, as they always do, uh laying out beforehand. And I knew Lawrence, I met him, I think 12 years ago up in Northfield. And he bought this tractor from a neighbor, one of his his buddies years ago. And that guy was the original owner. Um, So again, that was the setup. Now, Thursday, it sold for 85,000 bucks. Now Mm -hmm. I've been tracking, this is my life work for 34 years now, compiling these prices every day. Mm -hmm. And an iconic model like this, 40 years old, I've seen... So many 4440. So now this one went 12,000 over the highest I've ever seen. And, Davis, when I look at our data, which by the way, folks, Mm -hmm. again, it's free to view at machinerypeat.com. And if I could interject one thing here, sure, Davis, folks ask me all the time, they say, Pete, how did I do on this deal? Folks, please, I I enjoy the interaction and taking questions and conversing, but go to our website Mm machinerypeat.com, look at the auction prices before you make any deal. It's all free. It's all it's 20-plus years of data updated daily. Wow. But back to the 4440s, the four highest auction prices ever have all come in the last 13 months. So is that's that right? why I'm yeah. running out of adjectives. Now, the previous and, high was just set back in January in Mississippi, 73K on a 4440. So at the market for good condition use tractors is just pick, wow. pick your adjective.
0: Yeah, north to south demand is high... <laughs> A 1979 model goes mm-hmm. for 12K over the uh, over the previous record. Wow. Wow. And the,
2: and the same sale last Thursday. We also saw the, you know, and so that 4440, people say, well, this is all pre-def. You know, people want the older tractors, the older engines. Yep, that's completely true. But same sale, 21 model case H9250 combine on tracks, 275 engine hours, hard cash auction price, 520K. Hard cash auction fact, that's the highest auction price ever on a Case H combine by by 36,000 bucks. <laughs> wow. So, wow. again, so that was Thursday. Now That is shocking.
0: Days. That's shocking. Well, wow.
2: Go well, on. Well, again, <laughs> what, the difference that I've, I'm seeing here, uh, Davis, and you and uh, Chip and I talk about it every week, is I, yeah. there's always records. Even when times are crappy and Ag, you get a super low mm. tractor. Ooh, hey, record price, whatever. But, I mean let's just, to further prove my point here, what's different is yeah. let's go to last Tuesday in Verona, Wisconsin. Okay. So again, I've always seen records, but now this sale last Tuesday was the Pice Brothers retirement auction by the Stephas Group. Five record prices on tractors, all IH, but let's pay attention to how much they were record by. So let's okay. start off with an older four-wheel drive, which is one of the hottest sectors. So they had a 06 STX 430, super sharp. 2,553 hours. It went for 210000 bucks. That's a record by $75,000. And it broke a record from 10 years ago. Um, actually, 11 years ago. But let's keep moving down the line. Again, that's pre-def. Yeah. How about a 13-model KSH Magnum 225? 762 hours. Went for 202000 Record by 39.5. Next up. 2010, KSH Magnum 305, 1473 hours, 205,000, record by 16,000 bucks. Next up, 21 model, so not pre-deaf, a Magnum 200, 330 hours, 203,000, record by 24 and a quarter. Next up, 13 model, KSH Maxim 180, super low hours, 309 hours on a 10-year-old tractor with a loader. 173k record by 41,000 bucks. That's what I've never seen before. Is records by 40,000, 30, 16, 12. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. That's what Mm -hmm. these tractors and that's what this equipment's selling for right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, One other thing I see in your notes here. How does, Mm -hmm. how does, how does a 15 year old kid wind up purchasing an Oliver 2255?
2: Uh, folks, if you want to smile and feel good about <laughs> things with our future, you know, we got lots of problems, but I tell you what, my good friend, Kevin went with the went group out in Ohio. They had an antique tractor auction last uh, Friday in Irwin, Ohio. And Kevin sent me a video. I posted our machinery, YouTube video Saturday. You can go watch it. And Davis, there were two, two wheel drive, Oliver 2255s on the sale. Nice. One brought 30 K. And then there was one with a factory cab and it looked fine, you know, but you Mm -hmm. know, kind of work closing, not restored. And you're right. A 15 year old, uh, young fellow bought it. You could see him in the video doing his thing. Looked like an old pro. Brought it for 25 K. And again, cool to see young people, uh, you know, taking part at the auctions, buying equipment, uh, vintage muscle tractors like that. And by the way, that same auction for you, Alice Chalmers lovers, there was a 185 diesel. Uh that brought 17.5, second highest price ever. And for you Ford lovers, Ford TW twenty-five for twenty six five, second highest ever. So it's it was an eventful week last week, Davis.
0: Absolutely. Uh machinerypeat.com is where to find all the details. Yes?
2: Yep. We update it all the time on the fly there, you bet.
0: Outstanding. Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete, We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for the update, brother.
2: You bet. Catch you next week, Davis.
0: You bet, Jeff. We will be right back after this short commercial break with Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. Then we've got Paul Shadegg to be talking land values on AgriTalk.
4: At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com.
0: Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer editor, Brian Grady. Brian, I've got soybean meal, soybean oil higher. Soybeans like that an awful lot. Corn and wheat don't seem to know what to do, and they're headed lower, buddy.
5: Yeah, so the uh, soy complex, I'll start there. Uh, big gains here at uh, mid-morning. Uh, gains in the teens for soybeans, uh, about $5 plus in, in most of the meal contracts. Uh, 60 points or so in, in most of the soil oil contracts. So shooting to the upside. Um, concerns about uh, Brazilian weather, uh, weekend rainfall was erratic through the driest areas. Uh, it looks like that will remain the case for the next 10 days, maybe two weeks, and, and uh, so there's concerns there. We had another daily uh, soybean sale as well to unknown destinations, so that's given us additional support. Uh, going the other direction is wheat, uh, it's uh, traded lower overnight and has sharply extended those losses as we get to daytime trade. Winter wheat markets are more than 20 cents lower and uh, spring wheat is uh, showing losses in the teens. Corn was kind of caught in the middle overnight, but now that the uh, it's decided to go more uh, in favor of the uh, wheat and trading about 3 to 5 cents lower here at mid-morning.
0: Well, and a change of direction here uh, across the board in the livestocks today
5: yeah so uh started out with a firmer tone in uh, live cattle feeder cattle and hogs and uh aside from a kind of a narrowly mixed tone in live cattle futures uh, everything else is trading to the downside moderate to sharp losses in feeder cattle here at mid-morning and then uh, sharp losses in most of the, uh, the hog contracts at, at mid-morning. So, um, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, the cattle market, uh, they continue to use any kind of strength at all, uh, even if it's corrective in nature to, to sell it. And, and so a definite change in attitude there. And, and until that changes, we probably won't see a low in the cash cattle market.
0: Brian, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Well, if you're just joining us, I should probably let you know. Chip will not be with us until next Monday morning. He's out uh, practicing some conservation. <laughs> uh in the in the best way that chip knows how uh, he's earned definitely some time in the woods and i'm sure that he will be taking full advantage be safe buddy if you're listening we appreciate you in the meantime uh i am privileged to speak with paul shadeg vp from farmers national company mr shadeg welcome back to AgriTalk. thanks for joining us this morning
6: well thank you very much for having me davis appreciate it
0: absolutely Hey, I, I've kind of always had this question in the back of my mind and didn't want to sound stupid for asking it, but I trust you, brother, um, <laughs> to be gentle with me. But we just talked with Machinery Pete about, I mean, the record prices for machinery. And, you know, to me, that translates as people are willing to spend money on large purchases if it's the right thing. Paul have you noticed in your long career a correlation between machinery sales and land sales at all do they do they speak to each other at all
6: I my personal opinion is yeah they do and you know I can I can share the same uh, sentiment of surprise when you know we see you know that we always said the commo- or the last couple of years we've said the commodity markets are what's driving the land market and then we've seen commodities really settle back, but the landmark is showing a lot of resiliency and we're still seeing those uh, really strong values being paid for, as you said though, uh, in regards to machinery, for the right piece of machinery, they're willing to pay the top dollar for the right farm, whether it's location, whether it's quality, they're willing to pay for that. And, and they've evidently held back some cash to make that purchase.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And when we're we're talking about demand, is the focus pretty squarely on high quality ground?
6: Uh, yeah, I think it continues to be, although every now and then we're a little bit surprised. but overall when you take that 20,000 foot view, uh, the the farms that have issues, drainage, uh, irrigation, uh, soil quality, whatever it might be, we're definitely starting to see some pretty strong discounts or maybe even just lack of interest in, mm. in those farms, the, the high quality ones. Uh, yeah, there's, there's competition for those.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cash positions have helped farmers get land bought. And I really, I wanted to ask Pete the same question. Um, but how is cash on hand holding up? How many of these sales, you know, uh, I'd be terrified to finance anything major right now, given the interest rate environment. So, are we talking about some cash sales here when we've got such willing buyers?
6: Yeah, the the majority of those individuals uh, still have some uh, an equity position to where they have cash available to right. either supplement mm-hmm. a loan or pay outright cash mm-hmm. for that uh, for that land purchase. Uh, but we do see. That equity position we've watched over the last three years continue to narrow, and then if when you hear what uh, the the Federal Reserve has to say about the increase in loan requests, and uh, that's I think uh, a definitely a sign that guys have kind of burned through a lot of that cash, and now they're having to go to the bank and borrow some money, which is going to hurt their net income in the long run.
0: Mm, okay, how are how are buyers processing that? fed speak are they circling the wagons or are they thinking oh okay well maybe maybe we'll get some easing here
6: you know they um I, I think there's there's probably uh, two trains of thought there um I think that there are some that that are really really pulling in and saying you know I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and and wait to see where this these new values settle but then at the same time if an opportunity comes up, to To purchase a piece of land that fits into their operation or maybe is adjacent, uh, they they're pretty motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: talk to me about the number of sales, and I kind of want to get into seasonalities and what does a typical year look like around the flip of the calendar to the next year. Um, but but I mean I'm not hearing delinquencies. I'm not hearing panic sales. I'm hearing farmers at least still have some cash on hand. Seasonally, are we acting like we ought to as far as the land market goes?
6: Yeah, I actually just finished some analysis of of, uh, transactions throughout our company over the past three months. And we had a really active, uh, kind of started to build in late August, but a very active September. And October and November were also um, very, very busy is a good way to put it um and when i when i went back and analyzed that over what happened over the last year and then also what our five year average is we are definitely trending above the five year average it's hard to compare with what happened in 2021 and 22 we're we're definitely not not at those levels but like i said above the above where we were a year ago and then above the trend line of five years And that's looking at total transactions, acres sold. And then, of course, the values is definitely above that trend line just because what we've seen
5: happen during that period.
0: Yeah. When you talk about um, those with cash on hand to either supplement, you know, put down a nice juicy down payment um, or even just to pay outright cash for for a chunk of property, you talk about that kind of beginning to dwindle do you have a sense for how long it might be before that that dwindling supply translates into mm, i'm going to i'm going to tighten the purse strings a little bit and we see we see bids at land auctions begin to level off
6: well it's very possible you and i had this discussion exactly a year ago yes. and my opinion was <laughs> that we were going to start to see some settling of the land values and we did to a certain extent but there there are still very strong competition for the land and yes. uh, yeah. and and the limited amount of properties that came up for sale is what helped continue to drop them.
0: Yep. I think we were probably in the exact situation almost exactly a year ago where chip was out controlling the deer population and you were and I were having a discussion um <laughs> because it has kept going through the entire year and I'm you know I I I look at land sales and keep an eye on the on the values and it doesn't seem like we see quite as many, ooh, fresh records or, you know, here this, this piece of ground went for 27,000 in Nebraska of all places. I don't feel like I'm seeing quite as many of those sort of outlier high, high-end high sales here. Do you feel like maybe it, it's at least leveling off and headed for some softness?
6: I I share that, that sentiment uh, as far as we're not seeing as many of those Really outlying sales. We're still seeing some really strong values being paid for that good quality ground. But I think overall, I kind of, I, a year ago, I really thought we'd start to see less and less of those. And then we had several pop up in Nebraska, Iowa, uh, Missouri. So I, but I, I mean, I really think that we will start to see some settling of value. I don't, we're not going to see the floor drop, but, mm-hmm. um, but we certainly are going to see some settling of values. And I, I think we need to anticipate that for sure. And, you know, the guys are going to start to think twice. If they have to go to the bank to borrow money, mm-hmm. they're going to start thinking twice because that's an expense. And, right. you know, and then they, you know, no farmer wants to go out and, and pay top dollar only to see it depreciate over a short period of time. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's, those are, that's going to be the thoughts on a lot of uh, minds.
0: Yep, absolutely. And spoiler alert, I had, I had expected values to level off and perhaps even fall slightly throughout this year when you and I were having this conversation last year. And, and uh, I was I'm delightfully surprised as well for our sellers. One of the things that I see in some of the economic surveys among potential land buyers, farmers and economists, um, there's always a question. What are your greatest concerns? And it comes down usually to inputs, costs, the cost of money. But I see this non-farmer investor guy. I don't know who this guy is, but he keeps showing up and has been as long as, you know, almost as long as I've been watching land values and these economic uh, surveys and stuff. I don't know, man. It sounds like a straw man argument. I don't know who this real farm or this non-farmer investor is. I know they're out there. I know they do make farmland purchases for their portfolios. Is the is the non-farmer investor an influence that we need to be um, keeping an eye on on prices?
6: Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna continue to be. They're they're not the influence that you hear about, mm-hmm. but they they've been in this market for twenty years. But they're very strategic. Uh, they don't have an emotional tie to to land. So if it makes sense, they're yeah. gonna bid up to that level. But once they go over that level, they just step away and you never hear about them again. And the, what has driven us to a lot of these record sales is emotion. Either it's a farm that has, hasn't come up for sale in 50 or hundred years, or it's adjacent to another operation and it makes sense for them to, to add that on at a premium cost. And uh, But I think we'll continue, I mean, the, the uh, land is a, is a great asset to own we've proven that and that has really intrigued a lot of these non-farmer connected or non-farm or non-ag connected investors and and if they're able to feel comfortable purchasing and and knowing that they can lease that out at a good rate and it's a a uh, diversification of their portfolio i think sure. that yeah. i don't i don't see them Uh, leaving the market. In fact, if we see a settling of values, we may see kind of an influx um, into that again.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Paul, we're going to run out of time here. Um, I sure appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and putting your thoughts out there. Uh, FarmersNationalCompany.com, have I got that website correct? Uh, Just
6: FarmersNational.com is the website. Yep.
0: FarmersNational.com, Paul Shadeg uh, I appreciate your time this morning, brother. Hey, let's not wait another year before we talk again. Although I'm going to pencil you in for next time, Chip goes deer hunting, brother. You in? <laughs>
6: I'm, I'm, on, I'm game. Let's go.
0: <laughs> Outstanding. Paul Shadek from Farmers National. Uh, we've got Udo Erasmus, Dr. Erasmus. Uh, get this. The quote says Udo has impacted millions of lives by delivering his fresh message on how to achieve perfect health.
4: At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com.
0: If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson here. Uh, Monday morning. Glad that you have decided to spend some time with us. Hope your week is off to a great start. Uh, I know mine sure is. A great conversation with machinery Pete Greg Peterson there. He just keeps using that R word, record, record. I think for Christmas this year I'm going to get uh I'm going to get Peter the and see if that helps him. But I mean as long as he's been talking about record prices and these things just keep going up, folks, and oh another record price on a this or that or a you know 4440 a, a 1979 4440 goes 12,000 over the previous record. How does that happen? It's it's uh, really been quite the Quite the deal to see machinerypeat.com. And he's right. If you're in the market for some piece of machinery or some tractor or whatever, you can check prices over on machinerypeat.com and, you know, not have to feel like, oh, did I spend too much? Did I? You can find out at least what other people are paying for uh, the same models or at least similar ones in your area. Hopefully, um, a, a very useful tool there. The correlation between uh, machinery. And the land market is interesting. And if you think about not necessarily motivations, okay, certainly, but also what allows the buyer uh, the cash position, maybe the credit position, maybe you get something paid off and maybe you're coming up to the end of the year and and you need to spend some money for the operation. These motivations are not going away. However, the the amount that, that those have to pay, it's certainly got to be taking a hit after all of these years of record prices. Well, all of these, these last year and a half, two years of record prices, both in the machinery market and in the land market. It has to be taking a toll, and and we're bound to see it. You know, like Paul said, he and I had a similar conversation uh, last year at the same time, and uh, we're both thinking about the same thing. So we'll <laughs> we'll check in with him before then, but but we'll definitely get Paul Schadegg back on throughout this year and then I'm gonna talk to him a year from today if I can. Uh, Looks like we have Dr. Udo Erasmus. Dr. Erasmus, thank you for joining us on uh, Agritalk this morning, how are you?
7: Well, thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely, I'm looking at your bio here. It says uh, you're delivering a fresh message on
7: how to achieve perfect health. That's a bold claim, my friend. (laughs) Uh, You know what, I'm 81 and I've been looking at it all my life because I Uh came out of a war so it got me really focused that we could live better than we do Mm. um
0: real quickly because i i do want to uh make sure and get to talking about the flu a little bit but but part of your research has you very interested in the healthy versus not so healthy fats can you please tell us a little bit about the
7: difference and what (laughs) what difference it makes to the human body yeah okay so the the oils that contain essential fatty acids omega-3 and omega-6 are very sensitive to damage by light, by oxygen, by heat. Hmm. So they need a lot of care. And they, we should give them the, the most care of any nutrient because they're the most sensitive, but we actually give them the least care. We throw them in a frying pan where light yeah. oxygen and heat damage them at the, all at the same time. And fried foods fry your health because they change molecules into something that's toxic that never existed in nature. And when that gets in your body interferes, it interferes with what needs to be going on there. Mm-hmm. So the industry has never paid attention to that. They damaged the oil about 1%. We damage it in the frying pan more. And in a tablespoon of an oil that isn't made with health in mind, you get 60 quintillion damaged molecules which is more than a million wow. damaged mo- molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells that's a problem wow from a health yeah. perspective absolutely and in nature and in nature the standard was fresh whole raw organic foods mm-hmm. right every creature eats like that except us you know we throw pesticides and stuff and we cook and fry and process and do all of that why are we doing that it's not, you know, because it takes us out of line with nature. And when you get out of line with nature, you, your health goes down the tubes. Mm.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about keeping our health out of the tubes uh, when we're talking cold <laughs> and flu season. Uh, you're talking yeah. vitamin D is at the top of your list for cold and flu fighting nutrients, man. You've got a pretty hefty dose
7: here at 10,000 IU is there danger of toxicity yeah. there with that much vitamin D well that's that when i started working in health 40 over 40 years ago we were told that that it's toxic and there's now research that shows you can get from between 5,000 and 50,000 units of vitamin D a day every day for 16 months and you have no side effects they actually study wow. that was just recently studied. And we've been misrepresenting, it has been misrepresented, because we thought vitamin D was just for bones and teeth. Mm-hmm. But it turns out vitamin D is required by everything, every cell has a vitamin D receptor, lungs need them, very important. And we call cold and flu season, that's actually vitamin D deficiency season, because we don't get enough sunlight in, in uh, you know, except in the tropics where you get oh. too much. Isn't Everywhere else in winter, yeah. you get too little. So oh, then that's you have fascinating. To, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, we're we're going to run out of time quickly here. But um, uh, just one quick thing here: you warn that if you've got a sore throat, no sugar. What's that about?
7: Oh, because we've, a teaspoon of sugar will knock down your immune system for five to eight hours, and then whatever critters are are you know whatever viruses you've got, they mm. have a field day. And so you want you want to keep your immune system strong, you want to pick them off in your mouth, I spray acid water, you could use a gargle with salt water, or you could take digestive enzymes uh, that digest the protein coat off viruses and knock it out before it gets into your cells. Mm -hmm. So um, but but uh, yeah, it's 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 vitamin D deficiency season. I use ten thousand a unit. I have not had a cold for four years. Wow. <laughs> and I'm <Wow>. eighty one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That must be ten thousand I use, that's a heck of a pill there to swallow. Or you-, you probably just divide it up?
7: Yeah, it's it's in yeah, it's <laughs> there are limits of how much people put in at uh sure mine are a thousand, so I take ten little pills of it. They're just well, little Dr- pills.
0: Dr. Erasmus, you're, you're an author, Um, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, along with several other books. Can we get those on Amazon? Where's the best way to get more from you, Dr. Erasmus? Yeah,
7: am, Amazon, yeah, or UdoErasmus.com or TheUdo.com, T-H-E-U-D-O.com.
0: Dr. Erasmus, um, this this is fascinating. I feel like we've just scratched the surface. I'd love to talk to you again real soon so when we have more time we can get a little deeper. Dr. Udo Erasmus, yep. thanks for joining us today.
7: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: All right. Well, this afternoon, we've got Michelle Rook. Her guest will be Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. I'll be along as well with Kerry Uh Wow, that was fascinating.